gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 103 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we have a few things to talk about today, and they are not all Sylvaneth Battletome. No, they're not. It's the Sylvaneth Battletome primarily, and we're going to talk about some FAQs that came out for the Sylvaneth Battletome and Skaven. So really, more mm-hmm. importantly, Skaven, because most of the Sylvaneth stuff will be wrapped up into you know, largely what we're talking about. Okay. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk about Rantathon uh, Which... pretty briefly. I mean, it's 30 hours, so... <sighs> Yeah. Got a couple of things to talk about there. Yep. A lot of horse heresy stuff has come Ooh, out. Man, when I saw that Sunday preview, it was like, I was scrolling down the screen like, oh my God. When does it stuff. end? More yeah. St- yeah. <laughs> it's great. And then more stuff even came out like this week that was announced yesterday. Again, another non-Sunday recording for us. So yeah. the rare Monday product announcement. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So we don't have to do Sunday announcements and show close this time. All right. I think that's it, my friend. Yeah. So let's get started and let's go right to whispers from the warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So, Brennan, hobby time as usual for whispers. What about yourself? Your Kragnos looks exceptional. Thank you. I saw those pictures on the Discord, and it just looks really, really nice, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing is I've been painting a Kragnos. <laughs> Our friend Ty from Plane and Slayin was going to bring some Beast Claw Raiders to Nashcon, and he wanted a very straightforward, very effective list, which was uncomplicated. I wrote him a list that included a Kragnos, and oh. I said, look, this is a perfect excuse for me to build my Kragnos and paint my Kragnos, and I said, yeah, I'll loan them to you, right? I'm pretty pleased with it. If you haven't seen it on my Twitter account, you know, go see it, at hobby underscore bear, not to be confused with Taiwanese clothing company that shares a very similar Twitter hashtag. Right. This was a little bit tougher for me because I really wanted to paint in a very limited spectrum of colors. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was between brown and yellow is where all the colors lived. Yes. A little bit of the verdigris for like the copper and stuff like that, but anything that wasn't you know, from brown to yellow, obviously it was black and white, but like the metal, I made it really dark, really muted. So yes. it almost fit into that black gray spectrum, mm-hmm. keeping it super limited, using like good visual balance on the model. I was playing around a little with contrast paints, like on the skin to kind of get it looking the way that it did. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty pleased with it. Wasn't easy, but there was a part halfway through where I was like, I don't know. Like You're going to be really proud to have Ty put that on a table and play with it, I think. I've been very happy with a lot of my centerpiece models recently. Very nice, yes. this is another one that joins that category. Great. So you, Dan, what have you been Uh, doing? Man, I am just in this weird hobby funk because I was really excited, you know, to start painting my white scars. And I worked really hard. I had three models that I was using to kind of mess around with different colors and different combinations. I don't want it to be like bright white. I wanted it to almost be a grayish white. I think I got the formula down for the one model, right? The the one I finally finished and I'm happy with. Now I'm looking and I'm going, this is white. It's not a normal color that I'd paint Space Marines, so I can't really start putting shade on it, just kind of painting stuff. I'm going to have to really fine 
detail all of the highlighting. Oh man, it's going to take forever. And it's only one model and I got like 40, you know, so I just kind of felt a little overwhelmed. I just kind of sat there and looked at it for a while. It's like, you know, I think what I want to do is build my heresy stuff. Yep. And I think that's kind of what I'm going to do so that I stay active. Doing something. For now. Sure. Yeah. I got a really interesting question for the Q&A at the end of the show, which may give me some motivation, actually, to paint another Sigmar model. Well, we'll see. Yeah, well, the GU by us, the Games Universe, our, our local friendly gaming store, is trying to start, like, Warhammer Nights on Thursdays. So oh, nice. Maybe we talk to the Dias Cast guys and see if we make that, like... Thursday night at the Mequon store is the official like oh okay basically that guys. would be really cool that I like the idea awesome. I like all of this idea there's nothing bad about that mm. idea all right so that's me for that the most important news yesterday we got the first upgrade sprue for your world eaters yep we got pauldrons and we got helmets which is very cool where are my chain axes <laughs> How can you come out with an upgrade kit for world eaters <laughs> without chain axes? Now, the cool thing is they have Karn helmets, you know, the horn kind of things. And those yeah. are just really, those are really nice. cool. I like those. Yeah. Really I like awesome. those and I like headless ones that have the nails. Mm -hmm. in, yes. In, in that the you scalp. can see the nails. Yep. So there's only one of those in that kit, which is kind of a bummer. But in terms of what it comes with, like those are cool heads. And I really like those as like specifically for kind of like veteran units. Mm hmm. Sure, that makes sense. Yep, that was really exciting when I saw that. I thought of you right away. The other thing that's really interesting on the 40K side is Demon Codex is coming out. Sure. But the interesting thing here is demons are getting new saves. Yeah, they're getting else. saves that are like based on what phase it is, right? Well, on the type of attack. So they're getting a melee save and they're getting a shooting save. And these are like invuln saves, oh. is my understanding. They're going to have a base save and then they're going to have this. Mm. So it's like... Whoa, that's really good. <laughs> now, that's my understanding. I may be wrong. Somebody correct us. You know us, 40K experts. Yeah, right. Now we are not. But I was just... And it's kind of cool because it's thematic. Some of these are a little less resilient, like Slanish. You know, maybe in Melee, they're going to have a lower save. But for shooting, they'll have a higher save. Mm -hmm. That kind of a thing. I think the Blood Letters and the Corn ones are like 4 and 4. Something like that. But I just thought it was an interesting concept to have ranged in Melee saves. Really cool idea. Yeah. Very, very different. Very different. Yeah. There was a big Middle-Earth reveal... I did not watch it. I did scroll through some of the models and stuff that was showing. There were a lot of things that came out. So if you're into Middle Earth, you have a lot of stuff to look forward to. Well, there's a few non-heresy pre-orders. We got the Warcry box that's coming out. Do you have any interest in that at all with everything else going on? Not in the slightest. Yeah, okay. Uh, neither do I. But a lot of people excited, I guess, just like the heresy has reactions. You know, that's kind of a new thing. The Warcry, I guess, has reactions too, and people are talking about that a little bit. Interesting, something different. There's a couple of other non-heresy things. There's a Nether Maze Witch Hunters Warband. There's a Blood Bowl Elven Union, so a few things for that. And then there's a few Elf figs for Middle-earth, but that's just all the other stuff that's come out. So let's talk about the heresy model dump. Oh my gosh, we saw this just Sunday. Just a few. Oh my gosh. We got a Sakaran, which is nice. I'm very hopeful that they'll come out with this kit and then they'll come out with upgrade like turrets. 
you know, because that's what they need to do. I mean, the one I'm looking forward to is I know they had a Sicarian with like a Punisher cannon. Yeah. Which would be awesome. And then stuff that was in the Age of Darkness. If you didn't buy that box, there's a Spartan that's coming out separately, a Contemptor, Dreadnought. There is a shooty Leviathan now, which is very cool. It's got the Storm cannon and some kind of a... I can't remember. It's like a Melta Graviton Yeah, gun like the Eradicator something. gun. Yeah, whatever it is. That was cool. And they have both types of Terminators. Now, the Cataphracti came out in the Age of Darkness box, mm-hmm. but the Tartarus, which are the upgraded, I believe they have a four-up Feel No Pain instead of a five-up. They are... And they can also out. sweeping advance. Yes, which is, which is amazing. It's so funny because you see them next to each other and they just look plain. Like... <laughs> Their armor has no ornamentation. There's nothing on them, but they're better. The prayer tours from the box came out. The Iron Warriors got upgrade stuffs, which is very cool. Interestingly enough, we got armagers because there is a Mechanicum book now. That is very, very cool. I'm very torn whether I want to get that or not. I wonder how many models that's going to like come with like, oh. kind of in an immediate sense, right? Yeah. It's really good that we're getting models at a frequent basis for the game. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's cool. I'm very excited for that. I think it's mm. really important because otherwise I think we'd be a little bit dead in the water. The other part of this is you do have all of these models that still have to be released for like the game. Oh, yeah. And you're going to introduce like a totally different, like not part of that verticality faction. And anybody who knows Mechanicum, because this is not Mechanicus, that's mm-hmm. different. So the Mechanicum has a bazillion units. I mean, there are so many different units there in terms of vehicles, you know, things that walk, things that roll. It's just a lot of stuff. And to your point, they're going to have to really release a lot of stuff like, really fast like to make it viable. There's still like a dozen tanks there's all sorts of heroes. There's yes. upgrade kits. There's jetpacks. There's arms with bolters and chainsaws. There's bikes. Chain axes. Bikes. Javelins. Yeah. The grav bikes. The flyers. There's it, a bazillion It's models. like the whole game still, right? And that's not even to get into like the Legion-specific stuff. Right. Every Legion has between two and five special units that aren't Primarchs mm-hmm. that, you know, are still part of what they do. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see <laughs> how often we get these... Big drop, because this was a very respectable drop. And obviously they're catching up here. And there's still more, right? Like that's like, you look at it, you go, that's great. But also there's like 900 other things that we still need. Well, and a lot of this was basically just evening the playing field in terms of people who got the box and people who didn't. Mm. So this makes everything available now for people who didn't invest in Age of Darkness. And you should buy Age of Darkness. There's a 180% dollar value yes. on that box versus buying it. If you think you're going to play Heresy, it, it is a worthwhile investment yeah. dollar-wise, for sure. One of the pieces of all of this, as we've said before, listeners, we're going to be talking about Heresy more in the future as we start playing the game. I think one of the things here is that we need to just get models on the tables and start playing the game. You know, Even if it's just 20 Marines and a Praetor or something, just so we can roll dice and start figuring out with our friends what this game is. You know, That's more important than painting and all all those other things because all of our armies are exactly the same though it's a different game system and mm-hmm. there are different rules and we have to learn those things and the best way to do that is always is playing the game i think that's really the priority as exciting as all this cool stuff is let's get some stuff built and throw it down and roll some dice i think it should be the number one object games played outside of sigmar i've 
you know, just one more Tiberium Wars redux for me. Although I... You sound so disappointed. Well, it's always challenging, but it feels like I'm coming back to this too much, right? I'm thinking, though, since we have our dining room table and we're all set with that, Mm -hmm. I think I might break out one of my solo games that I've had, especially that B-17 one that I had talked about, really enjoying the few times I played that. I think I might want to do that instead of playing some computer games. Just to get a break from that and kind of be out in this different part of the house, you know? So we'll see if that works for me. That's it. How about you for other stuff? You've been really busy otherwise. I've been very busy, and I'm going to be very busy for a while. (laughs) Not anything video game-wise. How about Sigmar stuff? I don't think so. Not since your last. You were on Diascast in the last show. You reported. Yeah, and I'm on the Dias cast tomorrow as well. Oh, cool. All so right. that, like, that's really where I'm getting all my games in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't done hardly any of that. Boy, mm-hmm. I got a lot of stuff to do, right? That's been the real kick in the You've shirts. got a lot of life coming up, so. Yeah, boy, I sure do. Yeah, so, a lot of things. Yeah, and like it doesn't help that like I really don't know what I want to play right now. Like looking yeah. out to Dragonfall, like I don't know what I want to do. Sure, you know, yeah. It would take a small miracle to get like a bunch of the new Sylvanas stuff painted up in time, so that like you could run. We'll talk about it. Like enough of the you know a bunch of the dragonflies and things like that, mm-hmm. or like getting Lariel painted. Like uh, it took me like three weeks to get that Kragnos done. You don't have three weeks right now, honestly. It's, it'd <laughs> no. be tough. It'd be very tough. I took Kragnos with me to the hotel for the like during this mm-hmm. wedding like and it's yeah. so, like when i had just downtime i was just putting colors on it you know because i'm an insane person you know, and you're trying to get it ready for your friend to go to nashcon and that's two weeks away yeah so not yes. very far at all correct yeah okay so that's it for other things mm-hmm. and games and stuff let's talk about rantathon a little yeah bit. congratulations everybody oh it's so wonderful god over twelve thousand dollars were raised for Take This, a mental health charity that specifically focuses in on the gaming community, which we are a part of. We beat last year's, we beat the year before's. Somehow, some way, you know, this community manages to continue to outpace itself. We had a couple of other factors this year that, you know, we wouldn't normally have. The economy isn't the best for everybody. Right. Money can be kind of tough to come by, and, and somehow this community has managed to beat itself, right? Like, yeah. to, you know, the prize pool was incredible this year. The Oh, my God. You go through all the list, you just keep scrolling and scrolling. Yeah. The, the, so cool. The guests were incredible. I was told by some folks who, you know, that are into, like, general nerdery stuff that, like, there were some things in there that they would like, but they didn't necessarily know, like, the content. Like, they said it was wildly entertaining. Like, they had no idea, like, what was going on. <laughs> A really awesome job to all the folks that showed up. Meff for running it for yes. 30 hours. Hours. You for being in the background, but being a huge part of this, you really were. My job is to help. So, you know, a thanks to the Secret Shadow Council, if something were to ever have existed like that for maybe potentially basically doing a lot of the organizing and structuring yes. and things like that. Right. Every one of those alleged persons contributes something if that organization were to exist, which it doesn't, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. It's one of those things where... It really feels like a mountain walking into it, like that there's so much to do. There's a lot to be organized. And then this was the first year that I was on site with Mef. And, and quite frankly, I have no idea how he does it. Like mm-hmm. I hosted one two hour block and I was like, "Woo, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, he does like 14 more of these. Now, yes. not quite because he sleeps for some component of it and somebody right. else comes on. But totally regardless of that, like of the 15, he did 12 of them. Mm hmm. 
It's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, just well done, everybody. And yeah. thank you, everyone. Well, for and I think the announcement that everyone's up. very excited for is you all voted that I have to play Skaven. Oh, it's so great. And it was overwhelming. It's, oh, God. It wasn't close. <laughs> I'm so happy that we did this. It's so great. <laughs> My commitments to you, the listeners, everyone who donated money, is that I am going to collect a Skaven army. I'm going to paint and hobby that Skaven army. And then I'm going to play that Skaven army at a single two-day tournament sometime between now and the next Rantathon. Okay. And that'll be that. And I won't sell that Skaven army. I will keep it. I will have it. Okay. And it'll be there. And I'll have to... Look at it occasionally. Yeah, and and admit that it exists. Your eyes are sore afterwards, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I look forward to none of this, so... And I have a quick message for Meth. Where's my picture, man? I saw you doing it. I love that. It was great. Thanks for the effort. But I would like my picture, so... You want Frank? Just email it to me, man. I'll frame it myself if that's the issue. Just email the damn thing to me. Oh, it was so funny how that came up. For those who didn't know who are listening, he used what, Microsoft Art? or Microsoft Paint. Paint, yeah. yeah, To paint a picture of the gash. I agreed to, it was almost like a stretch goal, make a contribution if he would do that for me. And it was really fun that during Rantathon, he continued to just make little additions to the picture. And that was really, really fun. So anyway, thanks again to everyone. In terms of other stuff coming up, we just talked about NashCon. We got some friends going. We're not going this year, but we've got Dragonfall still coming up, RockCon's mm-hmm. coming up. And I'm excited because I got my second RockCon Pathfinder email this week, which was very cool. The guy Lord Blackthorn is what he calls himself. He's kind of the organizer, and he is always on this, which is really, really great. He uses Warhorn, you know, to do the scheduling. It's really simple to sign up and do those kind of things. I'm pretty sure this year, though, that I'm only going to do Pathfinder Friday because I'm really excited about doing more historical board gaming because i went to that event last winter down in illinois so i really want to do that saturday and sunday so i'll sign up for that kind of stuff looking forward to that really and you know dragonfall i know what i'm going to play you know i've committed kind of to myself to get at least a half a dozen games in before then but that's october playing with so. your ghosties yeah okay. oh yeah for sure i'm just thinking of doing something really stupid with the gash again or something like that really yeah um, why not i and, figured and you'd want to like break out like kurdos or something yeah or throw a linder in there or something like that yeah. you know but we'll see i have time to futz with some different lists i've got one now that's very different than the last one you saw and so we'll see and you're still trying to figure out what you're going to take to dragonfall so yeah i don't know i haven't won dragonfall with an order destruction army so oh okay i've got to add some dragons to my collection absolutely all right my friend i think that's it for whispers yeah a lot of stuff. Yep. A lot, a lot of, of thingies stuff. coming out. And let us move on to Emperor Lies. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. So we're back with Emperor Lies. And the first thing we're going to do is Brenda's going to kind of go over the errata that was recently re- released for both Sylvaneth and Skaven mm-hmm. and talk about the significant issues that came out of that document. So why don't you run us through that, bud? The Sylvaneth one I'll start with because it's the shortest and the easiest, and we're going to end up talking about the details here the most. Okay. The overarching principle of a lot of what is in the Sylvaneth FAQ is clarification of like interactions with 
overgrown terrain and things that count as overgrown and when you count as being within range of overgrown. Without understanding what the overgrown rule is and what that means, it's basically going to mean nothing. But at least we have clarification on this. And the huge majority of this is that indicating when something is an overgrown and when it can be affected by things that treat it as if it was overgrown. Okay. The other big part of it is if someone smashes to rubble your awakened wildwood, it only turns off the stuff that's on the war scroll. It doesn't change the fact that like you can still teleport to and from it, which is (laughs) neat. Yeah. That's something. The Skaven one is quite a bit more comprehensive. Lore of Ruin, hey, good news. You get to give Thankwool a lore spell. Oh, wonderful. Just what he needs. Yeah, very exciting. (laughs) Always three cost steps ahead. The unmodified charge roll portion of it got modified to be unmodified, where before it was just the charge roll, which would have included modifiers. Yes. So... Adding the plus three doesn't count for anything for the charge phase component of three claw steps ahead, which is perfect. Keeps you honest. That's good. There is a clarification to how many uh, hidden weapons teams that you can hide in units because technically is written before and someone pointed it out to me that for every 20, you know, like you buy units of 20 clan rats. So for every 10, you can put a weapons team in there before you could put one weapon one of each weapon team in per 10 so a unit of 20 you'd have been able to have hidden six six weapons (laughs) teams which admittedly is pretty funny a unit of 60 you could have hidden 18 the fix obviously is you can hide one weapons team in a unit of for every 10 yeah and you have to choose then it spells it out you know of the three you you have to take these which okay Totally fine. That makes sense. Yeah. Not a big deal. The rest of it, though, is pretty straightforward. Yeah. No big impact, no big changes in terms of army building or... Yeah, I mean, the, the big, big one is the always three claw steps ahead component right. of it. There's an interesting FAQ in here for the brass orb. If I use the brass orb to remove an enemy unit from the battlefield, what happens to that unit if my opponent cannot set it back up again, wholly within their territory and more than nine from enemy units? And the answer is it's destroyed. Cool, clever. You know, that's an interesting setup opportunity that you can work with, but keeping it so that you can't put 18 weapons teams in a unit of 60 and clarifying and really straightening out what three claw steps ahead is and giving Thankwool a, a spell that he actually really should have had anyways. Sure. One of the more straightforward FAQs. There was some other stuff that updated at the same time, but... Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Whatever. Well, right? thanks. Like, Good. You know, how many more Night Haunt things do you want me to, to tell you? No, I yeah. don't. Because <laughs> I've already read them. I, I don't care. All right, Coolio. Well, thanks for that. And those are, you know, either we've talked about recently or we're going to talk about today. Those ones are the most applicable. And obviously, if you have something you're that's of interest to you, you can go to the community site and check for FAQ updates. So there you go. Yep. So let us move on and let us talk about Alarial's Rebirth and the Sylvaneth Battle Tome. And we got some opening commentary. The first thing I wanted to talk about, Brendan, is that for a long time, the Sylvaneth book just has not been something I've enjoyed. And, uh, you know, just like with you not wanting to cover Well, 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 Dan. (laughs) How the turns table. Yes. It took me a while to realize, though, and this is what I want to share with listeners, is that really this is the spiritual successor to Wood Elves and Warhammer Fantasy. And I really had a liking for Wood Elves. I, my first model, I just brought it out here, was a Forest Dragon. I liked the Wayfinders because they were kind of like tree revs where they could jump in and out. And oh, They were gnarly. Yeah, they were cool. And 
I just loved the theme. I loved the lore. You know, the Bretonians were always trying to break into their woods and the beast men were trying to do stuff with them and just the stories were so really cool you know we had orion who was the hunter god and now we've got kernoth you know again as a successor to him when i thought back about how much i enjoyed wood elves then it's like i think i actually am looking forward to going through this book and reading it and i actually read some of the lore which is oh my god yeah i did and so i'm really gonna enjoy covering this book there's just some models in here that are amazing that i want to paint mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway that's kind of my opening thought about sylvaneth for me it's i do enjoy this the sylvaneth battle tome it was my first competitive age of sigmar army mm-hmm. there's something really interesting about this faction where it plays so heavily around its faction terrain right it's unique in the sense that it wants to and can put faction terrain out all over the board and this book is even more wildwood <laughs> focused than even any other previous version they're very elite they do specific things they're very points heavy there's some very interesting stuff in Sylvaneth in general, and I think this battle tome does a really good job of conveying the army as it's written from a lore perspective. Okay. There are some really competitive tools in here. This is a very low floor, high ceiling kind of army where Mm -hmm. the range of results is going to vary wildly based on the amount of practice and preparation and your list that you put together for it. So no easy wins here. So we'll start out, as always, with allegiance abilities. We have glades, which are the Mm sub-factions. And we're going to talk about those when we talk about enhancements. We have places of power. That's the first real one here. After territories are determined before faction terrain features are set up, you can pick up to three terrain features on the battlefield that are wholly outside enemy territory. These terrain features are considered to be overgrown, which is what you mentioned with the errata, mm-hmm. terrain features. At the start of your hero phase, you can heal one wound allocated to each friendly Sylvaneth unit that is wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or a friendly awakened wildwood. Not a whole lot of anything, but it's still useful. Not chip damage, but it's the opposite of that, whatever it, that is. It's also going to give you some more spaces to use some of these next rules. There's a bunch of other war scrolls that interact with overgrown terrain. Sure. So next is the from the woodland depths rule, which is really two rules in one. The first is walk the hidden path. Once per turn at the end of your movement phase, you can pick one friendly Sylvaneth unit that's wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or friendly (laughs) awakened wildwood. This is great. If you do so, remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again more than nine inches from all enemy units and wholly within nine inches of either a different overgrown terrain feature that is more than three inches from all enemy units or a different friendly awakened wildwood that is more than three inches from all enemy units. So at the end of your hero phase, you can pick up a unit and move it. What's important is that it's at the end of your movement phase, so you can move into range of teleporting and then teleport. Mm-hmm. which is cool because before you couldn't do it like as a retreat move. So you can retreat out and be in range or you're in combat and boop. Yep, cool. That's pretty neat. The other half of this is strike and fade. Once per turn in your combat phase. This is so cool. Immediately after a friendly Sylvaneth unit that is wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature, or friendly awakened Wildwood has fought, you can remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again more than nine inches from all enemy units, wholly within nine inches of either a different overgrown that is three inches from all enemy units, or a different friendly awakened Wildwood that's more than three inches from all enemy units. A couple of key elements here is it's only in your combat phase, and you can only do the teleport if you fought. So if you fail the charge, you don't get to teleport out. You know, you have to activate, and you have to be within range. And then you can only teleport to, just like in the movement one, terrain features that are more than three inches from enemy units. Walk the Hidden Paths is, a, would say, a neutral kind of change to what it was before. Mm-hmm. You gain the ability to do it off of a retreat and move, but 
your opponent is able to shut down eligible features that you could potentially set up from. Strike and Fade is bonkers. That's is just bananas. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah. You go in, you beat the heck out of something big, and then you just run away. Mm-hmm. And you just... No swingbacks. Yeah. None. <laughs> Combine that with a couple of things in here that hand out fights last, mm-hmm. and you're in business. Yep. Very cool. And then we have Verdant Blessing. This is Sylvaneth. Wizards know the Verdant Blessing spell below in addition to any other spells they know. Verdant Blessing is a spell that has a casting value of 6 and a range of 18, so very reasonable. If successfully cast, set up one Awakened Wildwood terrain feature, wholly within range and visible to the caster, and more than 3 inches from all other enemy models, endless spells, invocations, terrain features, objectives, and anything else on the board, except your own units, and add it to your army. You know, there's other ways that other things we're going to talk about can bring in Wildwood. You could have a lot of Wildwood out on the board really quickly. Yeah. It's really cool. And there's a fair amount of wizards in this. Being three inches from everything ends up being pretty tough with the way that the footprint of the models work. That part can be a little bit difficult because it is three inches from everything. Mm -hmm. Models, endless spells, invocations, terrain features, and everything. Everything. One of the new things is you not just pick glades, but you also pick seasons. So after you've picked your army, you must pick which season applies to your army from your list and record it on your army roster. So there's four, each representing one of the four seasons, depending on where you live. I'm assuming, Brendan, that if you're playing in a competitive event, you will select, and that is it for the event. Yeah. Okay, just yep. to clarify that. Yep. Okay. So the first up is the burgeoning. Friendly Sylvaneth units that did not charge in the same turn that are wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature, Friendly Awakened Wildwood, have a ward save of a six up. Okay. I mean, that's good. It's really your only presence of a ward save. Almost the only presence of a ward save you have in the army. So not a bad choice. Next up is the Reaping. Add three inches of the range within which you can pick Friendly Sylvaneth units with the places of power and from the Woodland Depths battle traits. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... 12 inches to heal and 12 inches to teleport in the movement phase and 12 inches to zip out in the combat phase. That's a pretty significant bubble. That's a very good bubble, especially if you're going to be playing with some larger units where their footprint might be a little bit difficult to put together. We'll talk about that in just a second. Sure. Then we have the dwindling. In the hero phase, you can reroll one casting roll, unbinding roll, and dispelling roll. So long as the friendly wizard you pick is a Sylvaneth wizard that is wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or friendly awakened wildwood. Mm-hmm. Nice, man. Yeah, and then the last one is probably the most complicated, but it has the most just kind of immediate on the writing potential. Mm-hmm. So you subtract three inches from the range with which you can pick friendly Sylvaneth units with the places of power and from the Woodland Depths battle traits. So six inches instead of nine. Okay. However, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon by a friendly Sylvaneth unit wholly within six inches of an overgrown terrain feature, friendly awakened wildwood is a six. That attack scores two hits on the target instead of one, and you make a wound and save roll for each. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not bad. It's difficult to set up. There are some units that it's more effective on than others. The benefits that you're looking for out of it are definitely there, but when you're doing the comparing and contrasting with the other choices, you have some tough seasons to pick from. All four have merits in my eyes. Okay. Talking about heroes. Yeah, why don't you talk about the beautiful Everqueen? Yeah, so you've got Alariel the Everqueen. She is obviously the faction leader. She is movement 16, down to 13, 3-up save, bravery 10, 16 wounds, monster, totem, wizard, 
hero, all the fun stuff. She's got her Spear of Kurnoth, 24 inch range, one attack, twos by twos, Ren two, damage six down to damage three. Mm-hmm. She's got the Town of Dwindling, one inch range, four attacks, threes by fours, no Ren damage one, but don't worry, there's more there. She's got the Great mm-hmm. Antlers, one inch range. I don't know why those are one inch range weapons. Yeah. Four attacks, threes by twos, Ren two, damage five down to damage two. She's a three cast, three unbind wizard. She knows all of the spells from the Sylvaneth lore. Mm-hmm. She can fly. She has a rule called Life Bloom. In your hero phase, you can heal up to 2d6 wounds allocated to this unit. <laughs> In addition, once per battle at the end of your hero phase, if this unit has been destroyed, you can roll a number of dice and add the number of the current battle round to the roll. On a 6-up, you can set up this unit on the battlefield wholly within 12 inches of an overgrown terrain feature or friendly awakened wildwood, more than 9 inches from all enemy units, and with 8 wounds allocated to it. So... The thing is here is it is once per battle. You can't Mm -hmm. try earlier, and if you fail, you're done. Once you do it, you're finished. Yep. It's got to be pretty tough to kill her in turn one or two or in battle round one or two. So if you're up, depending on who you are and what Mm -hmm. kind of an army you have, because she doesn't have a ward save at all. Nope. She just has her three up. That's Uh, it. Yeah. After battle round three, you know, you need to roll three up and she's back. So that would be pretty disturbing for somebody. Or wait till late in the game. And, you know, do something crazy with her. You know she's going to do a lot of damage and, and do some work, but you know she's going to die. It's battle round four. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Mm. I'll bring her back in turn five on a one-up, yeah? That would be really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a cool rule. The War Beetle has Living Battering Ram. If you carry out Stomp uh, and the enemy unit has a wounds characteristic of one, you do D6 mortal wounds on a two-up instead of D3. Mm-hmm. Neat. Once per battle at the end of your movement phase, you can summon one of the following units to the battlefield. A unit of 20 Dryads, a unit of 10 Tree Revenants, a unit of 10 Spite Revenants, a unit of 3 Kurnoths, one Branch Witch, or one Tree Lord. Now, most of those are 200 plus points. Yep. I believe. every Almost every one of them. So let's talk about it now because I think it's important to have this discussion is she's 840 points. She's pricey. She is very pricey. And there's a couple ways to look at this. You know, one way is you go, well, you know, you're getting a 200 plus point unit. So really she's only 640 or maybe 600. That's true if you look at it that way. But the problem is she still takes up 840 points in your list. Right. So it doesn't matter. The way I like to look at it is that she basically gives you a 2200 point list is what she does. So you're taking an 840 point model in a 2200 point list, Mm -hmm. which is a little different math, but still a heavy price to pay. That unit has to be set up wholly within nine and more than nine from all enemy units. Okay. She has the Swirling Glow Spite. She can retreat and still shoot and or charge later in the same turn. She has the Talon of Dwindling. At the end of any phase, mm-hmm. if any wounds inflicted by this unit's Talon of Dwindling in that phase were allocated to an enemy model and not negated, and that enemy model has not been slain, roll a dice. On a six-up, that enemy model is slain. Oof. It's four attacks. They're threes by fours. There's no rend. If it gets through, cool. Mm-hmm. You're just looking for a casino dice at that right. point to hit home. Sure. She has... A metamorphosis, a spell, casting value of a seven, range of 16 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, visible to the caster. Roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll. For each three up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. If the unit was destroyed before removing the last model, you can set up one awakened wildwood terrain feature consisting of one scenery piece wholly within 12 inches of that model and more than three inches from all other models, terrain features, and objectives and add it to your army. Okay. And then she has her last rule, right of life. Once per battle at the start of your hero phase, you can say Laria will give voice... 
to the verse of the right of life. If you do so until the end of that turn, all terrain features on the battlefield that are not already considered by you to be overgrown terrain features are considered by you to be overgrown terrain features. It's crazy. That's a super cool rule. Yeah. I really like that one. That's going to be the toughest one, I think, to set up and execute on in a way to gain a really good effect. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch of the imagination. I am saying that that is the toughest one, I think, to get the most mileage out of, like, of the rules on her war scroll. So, yeah, Dan, Lady of Vines, new hero and a pretty solid one to boot. Yep, and this Lady of Vines actually died in the story, and Illyrio cut off her hands so she could grow her back again. So that's where she comes from. That's why Illyrio does not have a, I think it's a left hand, on her model. Yeah, she doesn't have a left hand. So Lady of Vines is obviously a hero and a wizard, has an 8-inch move, 10 wounds, 3-up save, 10 bravery, has, I don't want to even try it, Kernethil's Wrath, 18-inch <laughs> range, 1 attack, 2 by 2s, minus 1, D6 damage. And Kurnoth, whatever's Wrath, which is three inches, three attacks, three by threes, minus one D3 damage. And then Lashing Vines, which is range of three, four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. So really nice range on her attacks. She is a Warmaster. If this unit is included in a Sylvaneth army, it's treated as a general, even if it's not the model picked to be the general. She is a two by two wizard. She has a Viridian Crown. Friendly Sylvaneth units wholly within six inches of this unit are treated as being wholly within six inches of an awakened Wildwood in your army. So she's a mobile piece of terrain in addition to everything else. Very cool. The important distinction here is that the units that are in range treat her as a piece of overgrown terrain, Mm -hmm. being within range. Awakened Wildwood, yeah. So like you can teleport from her, but you cannot teleport to her. Writhing Vines, at the start of the combat phase of this unit is within three inches of an enemy unit. You can say this unit will either create a protected barrier or ensnare foes. If you create a barrier, subtract one from hit rolls to target this unit until the end of the phase. If this unit ensnares foes, add one to hit rolls for all attacks made by this unit until the end of that phase. Okay. Yeah, good. It's always good to have choices. Rouse to Wrath, once per battle, if this unit is on the battlefield, the end of your movement phase, you can say it will call its allies forth. If you do so on a roll of two up, you can summon one unit of 10 dryads and add it to your army must be set up more than nine inches from enemy models wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or awakened wildwood in your army which would be her correct yes this is where the complications come in yes Um, she would be a unit treated as being within range of an awakened wildwood or an overgrown terrain feature these units would have to be set up somewhere that is within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or an awakened wildwood because they're not a unit that's already on the table being affected by that got it right so i got it they would have to go somewhere else understood then we have aspect of the ever queen so this is a great spell spell. it's a Casting value of 7, a range of 12. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, friendly Sylvaneth units have a 5-up ward save while they're wholly within range of the caster. Why don't you talk about Crazy Drycha? Drycha has the monster keyword, which I think is uh, an interesting improvement. 9-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 8, 10 wounds. She has the Colony of Flitter Furies, which is 12-inch range, 10 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. Slashing Talons, which is 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, Rend 2, damage 2. And the Swarm of Squirmlings, 2-inch range, 10 attacks, 3s by 3s, Rend 1, damage 1. Warmaster, 1 cast, 1 unbind Wizard. If the unmodified hit roll for either of her Flitter Furies or Squirmlings is a 6, suffer a mortal wound and the attack sequence ends. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, that's really good. You know, that's 20 attacks. Wrong, there's more attacks. (laughs) 
Yeah. At the start of each battle round, you declare whether they are enraged or embittered. If she's enraged, the Flitter Furies are 20 attacks. If she's embittered, the Swarm of Squirmwings has 20 attacks. So it's 30 attacks. Yeah. That's five mortals on average. Chill. Nice. Yeah. Take Solid. It. Then she has the Song of Spite. You add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Spite Revenant units. Holy within 18 inches of this unit. And then Primal Terror. Garbage spell. Mm-hmm. Casting value of a six. Range of 12 inches. Yeah. Roll 2d6. Each enemy unit within range that has a bravery characteristic lower than the roll suffers d3 mortal wounds. Lame. Lame, lame, lame. Yeah. Lame. I'd rather have her use their spell to put another tree on the board or something, you know? Or I mean, something. The good. lore spells are killer. Yeah. And we'll get to those, good. you know, once we're done talking about the heroes. I mean, they are good. So good. Very solid. Tough to cast, but so good. Yeah. Now, she's the last named character, correct? Yes. I believe in this book. Outside of the Underworlds bands. Why don't you talk about the Revenant? Because you've used this guy on the board. Mm. You know what this thing can do. So the Warsong Revenant is largely unchanged in terms of what's on the profile. The thing that has changed is the things that's around it. Mm. Throne of Vines doesn't do the same thing it did before. No, because that was crazy. That was nuts. Yeah. (laughs) When I was reading this a couple times, it was like, this doesn't sound like it's the same because it can't do like a thousand mortal wounds. (laughs) Yeah. The War Scroll here is largely the same. Eight inch move, five up save, bravery seven, seven wounds, spearing vines, three inch range, five attacks, threes by threes, rend one damage two, Mm -hmm. and the spirit falchion, one inch range, three attacks, Fours by fours, rend one, damage one. Cool. Two cast, two unbind wizard, can fly. Alarial Song, you add one to bravery characteristics for friendly Sylvaneth units okay. while they're wholly within 12, and subtract one from bravery characteristics of enemy units while they are within 12 inches of any units with this ability. Okay. Arboreal Cloak gives them a four up ward save. Nice. That's really good. The Wildwood Revenants, you add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for this unit while it's within nine inches of any overgrown terrain features or friendly awakened Wildwoods. Cool, good. Okay. And then Unleashed Swarm of Spites, which is, you know, what it was before. Casting value of a seven, range of nine inches. You roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll for each enemy unit within range of the caster. For each five up, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. The big difference is you're not going to be able to, like, continue stacking the bonuses and, and creating, right. like, this death spiral of casting. There's a command trait that pairs really well with this character, which we'll get to, you know, once we get through the heroes. But, sure. yeah, again, reliable caster, got some good spells. Now, the difference is, is with that kind of decent combat profile and not being forced to stay in one place with Throne of Vines, like, you can actually make use of this hero as a light combat character okay it's still seven wounds it's still a five up save but it does have a four up ward and it's okay. pretty good nice and what i is- imagine the arch revenant is probably one of your favorite I love this character. uh, characters and i'm in the synergies here are just so powerful 12 inch move six wounds four up save a bravery eight has revenant's glaive Two inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus two, one damage, and the tail pincers, which is one inch, D3 attacks, four by threes, no rend, two damage. It can fly. It has a companion. Uh, it has a crescent shield at the start of the combat phase. You must say if this unit is adopting a defensive or aggressive stance. If it's adopting a defensive stance, it has a ward of four up. Nice. This is the one you're going to pick. Pretty sweet. Yeah, for sure. If it's adopting an aggressive stance, add one of the attacks characteristic of this unit's glaive. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, I could be five attacks, or I could literally double my resilience. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so Champion of Kurnoth? Now, these next two, this and the Call of Battle, why would you not take this if you're taking Kurnoth Hunters? That's what I'm thinking. It's so good in terms of buffing them up. Yep. So the first one, the Champion of Kurnoth, add one of the wound rolls. For attacks made by friendly Kurnoth Hunters units while they're wholly within 12. And 
Call to battle. You can use this command ability once per turn at the start of the combat phase, or the unit that receives the command adds one to attack characteristics of melee weapons. Woof, man. Yeah, so the Champion of Kurnoth actually applies in both the shooting and the combat phase. Mm -hmm. The Call to Battle is just the combat phase. Call to Battle and his uh, plus one to wound can reliably put your Kurnoths at twos by twos with extra attacks. Like, ugh. It's an investment. You have to set it up. You know, he's got to be near enough by mm -hmm. to be able to hand all these mm -hmm. things out, but that's pretty good. And if you really want to go Kurnoth heavy, I mean, you can take more than one of them. He's not named mm -hmm. if you wish to do so. Yeah. And the model is just exceptional. Just love this model. So cool. Yeah. All right. Now, this next guy is just awesome, especially since he's not named. He can take a particular artifact and make his weapon really good. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, this is one of the other things that Sylvaneth book does really well, where it took the things that people have really liked in other books and kept them. Yes. Now they're similar. They're not the same. They're a little bit different. So you have the Spirit of Durthu, five inch move, three up save, bravery nine, 14 wounds. He's got his Verdant Blast, 15 inch range, six attacks down to three, fours by threes, rend one, damage two. It was D3 before, massive improvement. Yep. You get in your fix two. The Guardian Sword, three inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage six, down to one. Oh, the big difference is, is you have to do seven wounds to him now to get him off of his six damage, which yep. not just three. Yeah. Massive Impaling Talons, one inch range, two attacks, twos by twos down to fives, rend two, damage three. Okay. Again, major improvement. That used to be one attack. It used to be one damage. Six is to hit or D6 mortal wounds. Give me this all day. They have a new monstrous action, Ground Shaker. You can carry this out instead of any other monstrous rampages. You can pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit. Roll a dice on a three up the strike last effect applies to that enemy unit in the following combat. That's what phase. you had talked about. This is one of those places. Mm -hmm. So good. You have spirit paths. So this is an alternate to the rule that you have at the front of the book. Mm-hmm and is totally separate. At the start of your movement phase, if this unit's wholly within six inches of an overgrown terrain feature, Awaken Wildwood, you can walk the spirit path instead of making a move in that phase. If you do so, remove it. Set up wholly within six inches of a different overgrown terrain feature, or Wildwood, and more than nine inches from all enemy units. <sighs> What's important to note here is that you ignore the shutting off of the other ability. So the three inch thing. The three inch. Yep. So you can still do that. The difficult part is, is that it's got to be wholly within six of a terrain feature and more than nine inches from an enemy unit. So if you had an enemy unit that was within three inches of that wildwood, the place where you're going to be able to fit this in if they were within three inches of that is pretty limited. It's great to have that flexibility. True. Yes. The Wrathful Guardian, though, add one to the attacks characteristics of this unit while it's wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature or awaken wildwoods in your army. Great. Four attacks. Yeah, on four the attacks with the Guardian Sword. Yep, four. Yep. A damage six. Ooh. Yeah, Ouch. seems okay. Ouch. Yeah. Seems okay. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's all right. Then Dan, the Tree Lord Ancients. Yeah, cool guy. He's got a little owl buddy. Nice. <laughs> so movement five, 14 wounds, three up save, nine bravery. It's got a Doom Tendril staff that it can shoot stuffs out of. It's 18 inch range, two attacks to hit goes from two to five, three up to wound. Minus one, three damage. Sweeping blows, three inch range, has five attacks down to two. Three by threes, minus one, two damage. He's and no then, longer pathetic in combat, guys. Yes. It's, it's great. He's got massive impaling talons, one inch range, two attacks. Twos by twos down to fives. Minus two, three damage. Very respectable, Brendan. Mm -hmm. Very, very respectable, especially for his points. And he's got 14 wounds. I mean, 
Good stuff. He is a wizard, one by one. He is a ground shaker, just like the other guy. So on a three up, you can give somebody strike last. Spirit Paths works the same as it did for Durthu, that he can move around the board. Silent Communion is... This a, is why you take it. Yeah. Him. Once per battle, in your hero phase, if the unit is on the battlefield, you can set up one awakened wildwood terrain consisting of one scenery piece on the battlefield more than three inches from all of the models, endless terrain, invocations, blah, 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 and add it to your army. Three that's, inches from stuff. That one's a big deal. Yeah. For one reason and one reason only. It's now anywhere on the table that you can put <laughs> this terrain great. feature down. Good. It sets up the opportunity for major alpha strikes. Sure. Yeah. Because there is some stuff in here where you're going to fire up your launch pad, you're going to put your unit through, and you are going to just annihilate somebody. And if you pick the correct season, Brendan, that would be a 12-inch bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Or 24-inch bubble, really, is what you're talking about. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's 12 inches from the feature. Right. So, so yeah. That's huge. Awakening the Wood. Awakening the Wood is a spell that has a casting value of six. And by the way, any of you who are going to make any lewd comments, just stop, okay? Stop. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Awakened Wildwood on the battlefield. Each enemy unit within three inches of that Awakened Wildwood suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Lame. Skip. Yep. We Do don't something care. else. Yeah. <laughs> Give me another rule. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. And so the last hero, the Branch Witch... Seven inch move, five up save, bravery seven, five wounds. The Greenwood Scythe, two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. The Snapping Mandibles, one inch range, D3 attacks, fours by threes, no rend damage one. One cast, one unbide wizard. Fury of the Forest, you had one to hit and wound rolls. This unit's within nine inches of an overgrown train feature, friendly awakened wildwoods. Woo, neat. Yeah. And then Unleash Spites, casting value of a five, range of nine. If successfully cast, roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll for each enemy unit within range of the caster. For each five up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Mm, okay. Cool. That's good. It's basically the same as the war song. Yeah. Having two sources of that isn't a bad thing. Nope. Absolutely the not. other role that the Branch Witch serves very well is being a sub-commander for battalions because a lot of these heroes don't. And the Branch Witch is relatively affordable compared to some other things at 130 points. Oh, yeah, that's not So if you're looking to go one drop, you're probably going to have one or two of these. Okay. The other one unit that you're probably taking underneath, depending on your build, is a Warsong. Could be an Arch Revenant, depending on what you go with. For you Sylvaneth diehards, you'll notice that the thing that's missing is the Branch Wraith. Branch Wraith, no longer a unit. Sorry. Bye, Branch Wraith. You were a terrible model. (laughs) Okay. We are going to come back to enhancements now. Brendan. Pretty limited. Yeah? Pretty limited, but they're good. Especially since we did the Skaven book and there were like a bazillion of everything. Two pages. Uh, Two pages of command traits. Two uh, pages of artifacts. Nuts. You now have a total of six command traits, three for wizards. Three for any hero, mm-hmm. and then six artifacts. Three for any hero, three for wizards. Dan, where would you like to start? Well, let's do Aspect of War, mm-hmm. which is for Sylvaneth heroes, so any heroes. I'm very torn between two of these. Okay. The Gnarled Warrior basically makes these guys have Ethereal, mm-hmm. which great is very on cool. That's great, yeah. Great on Very, Durthu. very nice. But the Lord of Spites is also interesting to me because you could subtract one in the combat phase from the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by enemy units that finish a pile and move within three inches of this general until the end of that phase. That can be 
pretty significant, especially if somebody's got a really punchy unit that's coming in close. Knocking down the number of attacks is pretty significant in terms of their efficacy and, and effectiveness. So how about you on those three? Yeah, so one thing to be careful with in Lord of Spites is it's when that unit finishes a pile and move within three inches of this general. So if you attack something and they pull models where they're outside of three inches and then they finish their pile and move outside of three... Turns it off. Exactly. Again, I also like Gnarled Warrior, but I'm going to go with Warsinger if for no reason other than I want it to be really good and I (laughs) think that maybe it can be. If this general is on the battlefield at the start of your movement phase, add three inches of the move characteristics of friendly Sylvaneth units that start a move wholly within 12 inches of this general until the end of that phase. Okay. So the next thing we have is Aspect of Renewal. This is for... And I would be shocked if we both didn't pick the same one here. Wizard Heroes, or what are you picking then? Spellsinger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When this general attempts to cast a spell before making the casting roll, you can pick one friendly awakened Wildwood on the battlefield. If you do so and the spell is successfully cast and not unbound, you must measure the range and visibility from that spell for that spell from that friendly awakened Wildwood. It is a Sylvanet version of Umbral Spell Portal. Yes, and you can also have Spell Portal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just wicked. This is wicked cool. So one of the really gnarly <laughs> things that you can pull off is you can have your war song be your general with Spellsinger, cast its spell through a tree. With its second spell, it casts Umbral Spell Portal next to a Branch Witch, and the Branch Witch then casts basically the same spell through the Spell Portal. Oh, that's so great. That's so or great. you can use Spellsinger to set up Spell Portal, you know, and you pick a Wildwood that's like kind of in the middle and then Mm -hmm. you do the space them out trick. Very nice. Yeah, that's definitely the strongest of the three. So then we're going to go to Artifacts of Power. This is for Sylvaneth Heroes. So any heroes. What did you pick for this one, bud? This one is... The only reason that I'm taking it right is because you throw it on Durthu. Yeah. yeah, of course. Is the Greenwood Gladius at the start of the combat phase, roll a d3, add the results of the attack's characters to that weapon until the end of that phase. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. that one's really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise... It's not saying the other ones are bad, but, like, you just look at that mm-hmm. and you go, this is perfect for Durthu. Sure. The Seed of Rebirth is fun. Mm-hmm. That would be fun that you could bring something back on a two-up. Yeah. Even if it's only got D3 wounds. Oh, yeah, why not? I like the Crown of Fell Bowers. You pick an enemy unit within six inches of the bearer. At the start of the combat phase, you add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly mm-hmm. Sylvaneth units that target that unit sure. in that phase. Yeah. That one's good. I like yeah. that one. Plus one to wound. It's right. a way of getting around of if you're not able to put an Arch Revenant into right. your list, and, or you want the plus one to wound on not Kurnoths. Okay. And now we have Relics of Nature, which is Wizard Heroes. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about this one? The Vesperal Gem. Yeah. So good. So the Relics of Nature and the Renewal, it's just like it's a no-brainer. This artifact is bonkers. The Vesperal Gem, once per turn in your hero phase, before the bearer attempts to cast a, a spell from the lore of Deepwood. So fine, whatever, you have to do that. Right, right. Instead of making a casting roll for that spell, you can say that we use the Vesperal Gem. If you do so, that spell is automatically cast. Do not make a casting roll and cannot be unbound. After the effects of the spell have been resolved on a one, the bearer suffers D3 mortal wounds. But this is once per turn. Per turn. Ouch. Man, that's so good. Yes. That is so good. If it was once per game, eh. But once per turn, man, an autocast. <laughs> wow. that That's amazing. And we're going to talk about the lore, and that makes it even better. Because yeah. these lore are really good. I think we should talk about most of them. I think we will between our picks. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. 
Okay. And I'll make sure to pick ones that you didn't pick. Ah, okay. So, Dan, where would you like to start? I'm going to do Regrowth. Okay. Regrowth is a spell. It has a casting value of 5 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Sylvanith unit wholly within range, invisible to the caster. You can heal up to D6 wounds allocated to that unit. And I'm just thinking of, you know, you have a caster. There's a, another model that's of great value, like a Durthur or a Tree Lord Ancient or someone else. The fact that it's only a casting value of 5, literally you could auto... I don't know that I'd use my autocast for that, but... You could if you wanted to. Yeah, you could. But you can heal up the D6 wounds on that. And that's huge in terms of resilience for some very valuable model. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good. One I really like to start is Virtuous Harmony. Mm -hmm. uh, casting value of a 7 and a range yep. of 18 inches. Yep. If successfully cast, you pick one friendly Sylvaneth unit. Holy within range, invisible to caster. You can turn one model to that unit. If it was a Dryad, Tree Revenant, or Spite Revenant unit, you can return D3 slain models to that unit instead of one. Sure. Nice. Especially with Tree Revs. So mm -hmm. Yeah. So Tree Song is the next one that I like. Tree Song is excellent. It's a great... It's got a Cassie value of seven, so... This is something you use Vesperal Gem on. And range of 16, though. That's really good. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Awakened Wildwood within range of the caster until the start of your next hero phase. Improve the Ren characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly Sylvanith units by one while they're wholly within nine inches <laughs> Brendan of Awakened Wildwood it's like the Kurnoth guys have like a minus three rend already on the sides yeah <laughs> my gosh minus four rend it's just like hello <laughs> just remove those models minus I, five with the purple sun are, are you really gonna make me hope you're hope you like ice. your one-up model uh <laughs> and like you said you use the gem this is the one to pick that's one I of them. I think, yeah. My second pick here is the Dwellers Below. Casting value of a 7, range of 12. If successfully cast, you pick one enemy unit within range invisible to caster and roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit. For each 5 up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Nice. A good choice for Spell Singer, a good choice for casting something through Humble Spell Portal. Yeah, and it's a good Horde Buster. Yeah. Very nice. I don't know if the other two are very worthwhile actually throne of vines and deadly harvest throne of vines is tough because it has to be on the caster yep. and deadly harvest i think is garbage yeah d3 mortals yeah okay but very strong lore yeah so and a lot of things to ramp it up yeah okay so we'll take a break and then we'll come back and talk about glades and the rest of the units yep here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me so we're going to talk about Glades now, Brendan. We're going to start with Oakenbrow. Yes. And this is, if you want to take big guys, this is great. When determining which row to use on a damage table or a friendly Oakenbrow Tree Lord, Tree Lord Ancient, or Spirit of Durthu, it is treated as having suffered half the number of wounds that are actually allocated to it. Yeah. Whew. This is great. It makes your Tree Lord's battle line, mm -hmm. not your heroes, but like your regular Tree Lord's battle line. They're pretty gnarly. Yeah. They're a little pricey, but they got better, so. That's great. Next up is Root, Keepers of the Arcane. This is the magic one. This has been the magic one. It continues to be the magic one. Mm -hmm. Once per turn, when you make a casting roll or unbinding roll for a friendly Root wizard that is wholly within nine inches of an overgrown terrain feature, friendly Awakened Wildwood, you can roll 3d6 instead of 2d6. If you do so, remove one dice of your choice from the roll. Nice. And then use the remaining dice to determine the casting or unbinding roll. Very nice. That's yeah, fine. You can combine that with the dwindling 
and you can have your 3d6 re-rolling where you're picking the two dice that you nice. want. Nice. Certainly it, improves the reliability of your It casting. definitely does. I think it's a fine one. I think you're going to end up better suited with some of these other ones because the problem with Sylvaneth is they're decent casters, but they're not good enough to hang in there with like the really good casting armies, mm-hmm. yeah. which kind of a bummer. So the next one's Heartwood. After deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can pick up the three different enemy units on the battlefield to be the quarry of the hunt. If you do so, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by friendly Heartwood units to target those units. The yes. best thing about this is it's Battleline Kurnoth. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So the plus one to hit is really good. Truly, actually, very excellent. It's going to save you a bunch of command points over the course of the game. It's going to make your opponents you know, have to think about what they're doing. But you also get Battleline Kurnoth, which is good because I don't think you necessarily want to run an army of like only Kurnoth, but having a unit of Kurnoth in your army is one fewer unit that you have to spend points on to meet your Battleline requirements. Mm-hmm. Everything in this army is pretty spendy from a points perspective. Now, it's any Kurnoth, including shooty Kurnoth, right? Yep. Just in case you go that way. Yeah, for Battleline, yeah. Okay, but yeah. the plus one to hit rolls is for your whole stinking right, army. Right, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next up is Ironbark, which is hot garbage. <laughs> Uh, you get nothing from an army composition standpoint, and the rule that you get is trash. Stand firm. You can use this command ability at the start of the enemy combat phase. Woo! The unit that receives the command must be a friendly Ironbark unit that is within three inches of an enemy unit that made a charge move in the same turn. Pick one enemy unit within three inches of that friendly Ironbark unit and roll a dice. On a two-up, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. You can use this command ability more than once in the same phase, but if you do, you cannot pick the same enemy unit more than once in the same phase. Brendan, you're talking about a command point for D3 mortals. This is so garbage. <sighs> Terrible. No. Awful. No. This should be a free rule for all of your iron bark units. <laughs> sure. And if you wanted to move it from a two-up to like a three-up, then like, cool. Eh. Fine. You don't get anything that becomes battle line for it, and your rule is garbage. What the heck? Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. We're moving on to Winterleaf. Mm-hmm. This is Winter's Bite. Enemy units when th- three inches of a friendly Winterleaf unit cannot retreat. Solid. In addition, if you pick Everdusk from the Seasons of War battle trait. So that's the winter season. Right. So if you go winter, winter. Everdust doesn't do anything for this other than this other rule that you're going to add. Everdust is the one that the range decreases to six inches. Yes. But sixes to hit are two hits instead Doubles. of one. Okay. Right. Okay, the exploding sixes. For a Winterleaf army, enemy units within three inches of a friendly Winterleaf unit cannot be removed from the battlefield through an effect that would allow them to be set up again later in the battle. That's kind of a neat add-on. I like that they paired it together. With the cannot retreat. Yeah, well, not just the pairing it with the cannot retreat, that I like they paired it with the season. And I Mm. would have actually really liked to have seen them pair the other ones with similar seasons. Like, if there were your winter, fall, spring, and summer, and this is obviously your winter one, you you get the enhanced benefit if you take... You know, the like harvest boon would be your autumn one or something like I that. I would your imagine so, one, yeah. Right? Okay, I get you. That makes sense. Yes. That's so, a good one. Winter Leaf is very good. It's very interesting. It has really techie specific play. I think it's very good in a night haunt heavy environment mm-hmm. because you're probably going to go lots of dryads in Winter Leaf, honestly. Mm-hmm. And all of that is something that night haunt wouldn't be super keen on. Sure. Next up is Dreadwood, and this is the sub-faction where Spite Revenants become battle line. Mm -hmm. Once per battle, you can use the Walk the Hidden Pass twice in the same turn. If you do so, at least one of the units you pick must be a Dreadwood Spite Revenants unit. 
fine. In addition, once per battle, you can use the strike and fade twice in the same turn. If you do so, at least one of the units you pick must be a friendly Dreadwood Spite Revenants unit. Well, if you're going to go heavy into Spite Revenants, I guess... Yeah. This is what you do. Nice. That's fine. It's okay. neat. Then we finish up with Harvest Boon, Vibrant Surge after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can move each friendly Harvest Boon's Spite Rider Lancers or Revenant Seekers, which are the Dragonfly guys, mm -hmm. up to 12 inches. If both players can move units before the first battle round, they must roll off, and the winner chooses who moves their units first. The other big add-on to this is the new Dragonfly units become battle line in this mm -hmm. army. Yeah. Nice. In this glade. Nice. Yeah. Depending on what units you're going heavy on. A lot of cool, specific battle line if choices, so that's really great. Really only one sub-faction that I think you're absolutely wasting your time on. The other ones I think you can look at and discern merit from it and put together a specific plan okay. that works for what you're Depending doing. Depending on yeah. your army construction. But if you're playing Iron Bark, you have made an active decision to make your army be actively worse. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. So the first unit is the Tree Lord, Yes. Yes. Tree Lord, okay. Tree Lord, Tree Lord. Why don't you talk about him? Five inch move, 14 wounds, three up save, bravery seven. Big improvement. Tree Lord went from a four up save to a three up save base. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Strangle Roots is 12 inch range, three attacks, twos to hit down to fives, threes to wound, rend one, damage two. Solid. Mm -hmm. Sweeping blows, three inch range, five attacks down to two, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Master Impaling Talon, one inch range, two attacks, twos by twos, down to fives, rend two, damage three. Mm -hmm. has ground shaker has spirit paths lash and tangle if an attack made with a melee weapon by this unit scores a hit models in the target unit cannot make a pylon move until the end of that turn that is so huge cool mm -hmm. big the whole bit of sylvaneth it ends up being these really tactical decisions that gets made because all this model has to do is score a hit roll with its seven attacks mm -hmm. one hit roll and you can't pile in. So you don't have to wound, you don't have to do anything. Nope, you just, just got to hit. hit. And so you can do the sequencing in such a way where you can ground shaker stomp one unit. There's other units that are going to strike first. You can fight with them. Then you get to pick. You can fight with the tree lord. And then he's got to hit a unit. And then that unit fights last. And you can set up the combats in such a way where you can basically fight three or four different units to death mm. in a row in the right way with no swing back. <laughs> crazy it's, so it's great good. that is so there's good. so many tools okay so dan gossamit archers yeah. you love shooting units tell us about the I shooting do. unit gossamit archers 12 inch move two wounds five up save six bravery has a gossamit bow 12 inch range two attacks three by threes no ren one damage not so bad right uh, it's okay yeah. yeah it's all right seems fine except for the range is a little Yep. Yeah. Your movement 12, so yeah. you're effectively 24. Yep. You got yep. It. 24 That's, uh, inch threat nothing range. offensive here in this shooting phase. Not at all. Just a total of what'll end up being 11 attacks when and you get to the champion. And there are cruel talons, two attacks, three by fours, and a ren one damage. However, Dan, however, what could possibly justify this Gossamid Archer unit that is 220 points for well, five miles? They have larval shafts, so they basically have maggots in their in their bows. Bows. <laughs> <laughs> and if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a gossamid bow is six, the unit suffers not one, not two, but D3 mortal wounds. And the attack sequence ends. 
Cool. Yeah, I like that. If this unit has two or more models, it is coherent if each unit, so it's forest fighters, if each unit in the model is within two inches horizontally of another unit, very nice. So a way to at least mitigate coherency issues. And then we have Zephyr Spites. After this unit has received the Unleash Hell command and all of its shooting attacks have been resolved, if this unit is within three inches of any enemy units, you can roll the dice on a two-up. It can retreat. Shoot and fade. Yeah. <laughs> as it were. I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, the D3 thing would make me at least consider these guys if you're getting, what, five models in a unit? You're getting five for 220, so that's 11 attacks. Okay. You're going to get probably two D3 mortal wounds realistically on average. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're neat. Yeah, and the models are awesome. Models are very cool. They get carried around by bugs. So speaking of delivery by bugs... Oh, man. Spite Rider Lancers. Two new units here. Two new units. Uh, same kit. 14-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 7, 5 wounds. Mm-hmm. You have the Spite Rider Lance, which is 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 2, damage 1. And the Sharp Mandibles, which is 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. The champion adds 1 to the attacks characteristic of their lance. Mm-hmm. 1 and 3 can be a standard bearer. When they do, they can make a pile-in move of 6 instead of 3. Nice. That doesn't mean they can pile in from 6 inches, but when they do pile-in, they get a 6 instead of a 3. Mm-hmm. 1 and 3 can be a horn blower. If you have a horn blower, you can successfully rally on a 5-up instead of a 6. Neat. They fly, obviously. Descent of the Spite Riders. The strike first effect applies this unit if it made a charge move in the same turn. Nice. And then thrumming with life at the end of each phase. If any models were slain by attacks made by this unit, you can heal all wounds allocated to this unit. Hmm. So that's pretty good. And they're five uh, wound models. Yeah. They are five wound models. They're 210 points for three of them. Okay, for 15 wounds. Yeah, so a little spendy individually, but solid. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Revenant Seekers, Mm -hmm. which are another version of these bad boys. So they're 12-inch move, 5 wounds, 4-up save, 7 bravery. They have Seeker Sickles, 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 4 by 3s, minus 2, 2 damage. And then Sharp Mandibles, 2-inch range, 3 inches, 4 by 3s, minus 1, 1. The Champion adds 1. The Standard Bearer allows them to make a 6-inch piling move, correct? Yep. Yep, and then the musician, again, gives them five up instead of six up if they are rallying, which is very, very cool. They have the Harvesters of the Lamarti, or Lamentiri. Uh, once per turn, at the end of your movement phase, you can pick one friendly Sylvanith unit with a wounds characteristic of five or less. It's wholly within 12 inches of this unit. And roll a dice on a two-up. You can return one slain model. Whew, man, that's really good, Brendan. Yeah. Oh, look at the Kurnoth Hunters. Oh, God, that'd be really nice. Kurnoths or, and Revenant Seekers and or, Spite Rider Lancers, yeah. all five-wound models. Oh, very good. That's just so good. And then Thrumming with Life, the same thing. You can heal all wounds if you did any wounds. When you combine yeah. that with the... Enemy models are slain, sorry. Yeah, when you combine that with the Virtuous Harmony spell, mm. pretty good. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, so Revenant Seekers are a little bit pricier at 235 for three. As opposed to 210, right? Yep. For the other guys, yep. Next up is Kurnoth Hunters. So so. why don't you walk us through, there's three different versions of this. There's a shooty, there's swords, and there are scythes. Yep. All of them share effectively the same profile. Five-inch move, three-up save, bravery seven, five wounds. All three of them share two similar rules. Envoys of the Everqueen. While this unit's contesting objective, friendly Sylvaneth units wholly within six inches of that objective are treated as being wholly within six inches of an overgrown terrain feature. Mm -hmm. Cool. And trample underfoot. At the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll one dice for each model in that unit. For each four-up, the enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. All of them share that. The bow hunters have their great bows, which are 30-inch range, two attacks, 
fours by threes, rend one, damage two, with their vicious claws, one inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, no rend, damage one, mm-hmm. and their champion add ones, the attack of the great bow. Cool. Okay. The sword hunters, they have their swords, which are one inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Their champion adds one to their swords. They have Sundering Strikes. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack with a greatsword is a six, the target unit suffers two mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends. Neat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to be taking these with the exploding sixes unless you're really looking for more hits, but usually you're taking the mortals. Mortals, absolutely. Scythe Hunters, they've had an interesting change to them. They've gone up to Ren 3, mm-hmm. but they've gone down to damage 2. Mm-hmm. So the Kurnoff Scythe is 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 3, damage 2. Champion adds 1 to the attack's characteristic. But they have a separate rule Tanglethorn Thicket. If any models in an enemy unit finish a pile and move within three inches of a unit with this ability, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound after they finish their pile and moves. They are spendy as heck. Your Kurnoth with great bows are 230, and great swords and scythes are 250 each. Obviously, their battle line in Heartwood, they're really good. They're super durable. They've got a lot of good things that bring them back. Places of power heal them a little bit, but man... Yeah, you're going to need to get some good mileage out of them because even a unit of six is quarter your army. It's 500 points. Mm-hmm. So. Now, if you take an Arch Revenant, that would in some way mitigate the damage reduction because then they each get four attacks. Yeah, so the Scythe Hunters could get four attacks and be wounding on twos. Yep. I still think you're going to see a lot of Scythe Hunters just because their range is two inches. Kurnoth Hunters with great swords are only one inch range. They don't get the bonds of friendship because they can't be Galatian veterans, which is also a bonus for them is that they can't be Galatian veterans. Mm -hmm. They still count as two models on objectives. Correct. They're still excellent. Okay. The sword guys. Swords and scythes. I've been kicking around Bolas with the Purple Sun, tossing that downrange so they're effectively Ren 2, keeping an Arch Revenant nearby, giving, you know, all attacks so that you're threes and twos, Rend 1, damage 2. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So you will see. Uh, next up, Dan, we've got Dryads, the traditional battle line unit of this army. Sure. They have seven inch move, one wound, five up save six bravery they have racking talents two inch range two attacks four by four is nothing rend and then damage one champion adds one to the tax characteristic blessings of the forest subtract one from hit and wound rolls for attacks that target this unit while it's wholly within nine inches of any overgrown terrain or friendly awakened wildwoods that's in the shooting and combat phase i yeah. assume because it doesn't say otherwise um. so very nice then you've got tree revs Five inch move, five up save, bravery six, two wounds apiece now. Awesome. They've got their enchanted blade, one inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage one. Champion can make it three attacks there, or they can take the glaive, which is one inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage two. Mm -hmm. Standard bearer, one in every five. They get a six inch pile and move instead of a three inch, but they can't pile in from six. Mm Musician is a waypiper. If you have a waypiper at the start of your movement phase, instead of making a normal move, so you can't retreat using it, remove this unit from the battlefield and set it up again anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. That's so good. And then martial memories. Once per battle round, this unit can receive the all-out attack or all-out defense command without the command being issued and without a command point being spent. Mm-hmm. Good. Solid. Another of your just straight battle line units. Mm-hmm. They're good. They went up in points. Obviously, you doubled their wounds characteristic. Right. So they're a little bit scarier than they used to be, which is good. It's a good thing, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're Sylvanath Lair. 
Then we have Spite Revs. These are basically the same thing in terms of their profile. They have Cruel Talons and Fangs, one inch range, three attacks, three by threes, no rend, one damage. Champion adds one to the attack's characteristic, Unbridled Malice. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with Cruel Talons and Fangs is six, suffers one mortal wound, and the attack sequence ends. Yep, you're just going to drown folks in weight of dice. A unit of 10 is 30 attacks, threes by threes, so you're looking at five or six mortal wounds pretty reliably. You know, Drycha is going to hand out plus one to wound. I was just going to say, yep, you got Drycha. Yep, and Arch Revenant could put them at 40 attacks. Not saying no to that. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, they are still pretty squishy, right? They are still a Sylvaneth army that is, you know, looking at a five-up save with no ward. You know, they're 105 points for five. It's 10 wounds for 105 points. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's not great. But next up is our Endless Spells. Mm-hmm. First up is the Glade Worm. Oh, I love this spell. Casting value of a 7, range of 6 inches. It's predatory, so it moves 8 inches and it can fly. It's death from below. After it's moved, roll a dice for each unit within 1 inch. On a 3-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Sylvaneth units not affected. After it's moved, roll a dice for each Sylvaneth unit within 6 inches of this model. On a 3-up, you heal up to D3 wounds allocated to that unit. Brennan, I'm just thinking the combination with that one lore spell that bring you know, can give you D6 wounds back. Mm-hmm. You have this thing near, you're getting D6 plus D3 wounds back. That's pretty respectable. If you've got a big model, and again, yeah. I'm just thinking of big models using this. Yeah, it's still a 3-up. The range for it doing mortal wounds isn't very big. It's kind of spendy for what it, it is. is at 50 points. I think there are better endless spells to take that do damage. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine um, what they would be. Like You would also be better suited to taking something almost like an Emerald Life Swarm. Sure. That which heals D3 automatically. Right. Now, it's not every Sylvaneth unit within six inches, right? right. But there's just going to be situations where you're just better served by having the automatic payout rather than right. the three up for everything nearby. So we're talking about looking at generic yeah. the spells versus the Glade Worm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the Spite Swarm Hive, you've used this before. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Still good, but less good. Okay. So there's a casting value of seven, so it's got to be worth something. A range of 15. You set up one Spite Swarm Hive wholly within range of the caster at the end of the player's hero phase if a sylvaneth wizard or sylvaneth hero in that player's army is within nine inches of this endless spell that player can use one of the following two abilities either vital venoms pick one friendly sylvaneth unit wholly within nine inches of this endless spell on a two up add three inches to normal moves and charge moves for that unit until the end of that turn nice and then shielding swarm pick one friendly sylvaneth unit wholly within nine inches on a two up worsen the rend characteristic of attacks that target that unit by one until the end of that turn. Very it's nice. Good. Then the last spell is the Vengeful Skullroot. So even doing your comparison shopping, I think this is the better damage dealing one. Casting value of a six, range of six inches, predatory eight inches and flies. Terrors on Earth. If a unit fails a battle shock test within three inches of this endless spell, add D3 to the number of models this flees. That's really good. Sylvaneth units unaffected. Yeah. After this spell has moved, roll a dice for each unit that has any models that passed across and each other unit within one inch. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, or D6 if that unit is also within six inches of any <laughs> awakened wildwood units. Wow. No effect on Sylvaneth units. I'll just wait until somebody's within range and then throw that bad boy out there. Yeah, 60 points. Spite Swarm High, 40. Spite Swarm High forever. And then you've got your Awakened Wildwoods. Obviously the crux of a lot of what this army does. So you originally set it up wholly within... Your territory, more than three inches from all objectives and other terrain features. You can set it up using one piece, two piece, or three piece. If it's two or more pieces, the ends of the tree have to be touching to form a, a circle of some ill repute in the middle. In addition, 
the area inside is considered to be part of the awakened wildwoods. Mm -hmm. If you choose to add anything, it must be three inches from all everything, even though it spells out everywhere that it always has to be three inches from everything. Mm -hmm. But it just really wants to hammer home the point that three inches from everything is where you set these up. Okay. They have overgrown wilderness. Sylvaneth units keyword are not blocked line of sight from them. They are wildwoods per the core rules, except for Sylvaneth units effectively. Mm-hmm. And then Vengeful Forest Spirits. Got it. At the end of the charge phase, you roll a dice for each unit that does not have the Sylvaneth keyword that is within one inch. Add two to the roll if any wizards or endless spells are within six inches that is within one inch of the unit being rolled for. On a six up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Neat. All right. It's something. Brendan, do you have a preference of how you would set this stuff up? Like, do you think it's more effective to do a, you know, circle of three, an oval of two, or set up individual ones? It depends on the army that you're taking. It depends on what the battlefield looks like. It depends on a lot of things. There's very rarely going to be a situation where you're going to start with one tree. You're going to bounce between two and three, depending on what your army's plan is. Over to our battalions and strategies and tactics. Yeah, lovely. And Dan, the battalion that we have is Lords of the Clan, which is mandatory two Tree Lord Ancients, two optional Tree Lord Ancients, mandatory one Tree Lord, optional two Tree Lords. So Brendan, for doing all of this, Dan, you gain Magnificent. You get to pick one enhancement for your army. That is so great. Oh, amazing. <sighs> so dumb. Brendan, this is my this is my army, man. All big models. Yeah, absolutely. This is perfect. Why don't you make it unified? Exactly. Why don't you make it one drop? Yep. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Make it unified. Because anyway, they didn't. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Strategies. Yeah. Mm. These are tough. Yeah, the, especially this first one. There is just... So this one is doable. Oh, of I... the three of them... I feel like this one is the one that's doable. You say that, but then once we go through the battle tactics, and that's what I did, it was mm. like, I got to get four out of five of these. Oh, man. So the strategy is when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If you complete at least four battle tactics, and every battle tactic you completed was from Songs of War. So, or four of the ones you completed are from the Sylvanath Battle Tome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, we certainly differ on that one, but let's see once we go through the battle tactics. Yeah. Vengeance and Spite. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If the model picked to be your opponent's general was slain by an attack made by a friendly outcast's unit. That is two units. Mm-hmm. Spite Revenants and Drycha. Mm-hmm. Not a chance. No. And then Roots of Victory is the last one. The battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If there's friendly awakened wildwood in each quarter of the battlefield, and all enemy units are more than six inches from all friendly awakened wildwoods on the battlefield. Please, Brendan. Unless you tabled somebody or almost tabled somebody, that's hard to do. So you need a tree in every quadrant. Yes. And then also, regardless of whether you have a tree that is un scathed by the presence of an enemy unit. You could have all the corners covered and not have an enemy unit within six inches, but you've got this other tree somewhere else Mm. and there's somebody standing 5.8 inches away. Cool, grand strategy failed. Yep, no three points Which is why I'm saying Course of the Woodlands is the most likely Uh, of the grand strategies. From that perspective, yes. And it is still a mother to get, I think. It's still really tough. It's much easier than these other two. Well, perhaps, but it's still hard. Okay. So you get five battle tactics. Why don't you go through those since I went read the uh, strategies. The first one you get is Eradicate Trespassers. You pick one enemy unit within six inches of a friendly awakened wildwood. You complete this battle tactic if that unit was destroyed during this turn. 
Okay. Cool. Makes sense. That, that is doable. Absolutely. Harness the spirit paths. You complete this battle tactic of any models in a friendly Sylvaneth unit that was set up using from the woodland battle traits this turn makes a charge move this turn. Okay. Also doable. Now, you're relying on a nine up dice roll. Six with the launch pad. Okay. If you get the launch pad, it's six, mm-hmm. but you're relying on a dice roll there. Correct. For your tactic. Yep. Okay. All right. now you're relying on dice rolls for every tactic. Oh, that's of course. It's a dice game. Got it. Balance the cycle. Pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of an overgrown terrain feature, friendly awakened wildwood. You complete this battle tactic if that unit is destroyed by an attack made by a friendly Sylvaneth unit that was added to your army this turn. Okay, that one's tough. Yeah. You can really only do that if you have two units in your army. Alariel or the Lady of Vines. Okay, so that one's already... Whew, all right, going to sweat that one a little bit. All right. March of the Forest Lords. Pick one enemy monster on the battlefield. You complete this battle tactic if that monster is slain by an attack made by a friendly spirit of Durthu, Tree Lord Ancient, or Tree Lord during this turn. It's not easy, but no. Durthu can do it. Sure. And then Unleash Gyran's Wrath. Pick one friendly Sylvaneth wizard on the battlefield. You complete this battle tactic if a spell successfully cast by that wizard or an endless spell summoned by that wizard destroys an enemy unit this turn. That's kind of tough. Yes. That's pretty tough. So Because it's that wizard has to do it. Right. So we've agreed, I think, that three out of the five are doable. Absolutely doable. Yeah. But the other two are could tough. be... Yeah. So that's why the chorus of the Wildwoods is still tough. Even though it's better than the other two, it's still pretty tough to get that one. Take another grand strategy from yeah. somewhere else. Which again enters the conversation of, why are we banning battle tactics and grand strategies from the book? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Let me pick one from this book, because there's some good ones, mm. you know, for tactics. I, I could use one. Sure, limit me to one or two or whatever, right? Yeah, but, like, right. you can't tell me that this book is imbalancing the game in such a way. Yeah. So, Dan, what do you think of this book? I love this book. I okay. love this book. I love the units. I love the options for, you know, again, for me, always, I look at this and say, what kind of a cool army could I build? And there's a lot of options here. I could go, like tree rev crazy and just drive my opponent nuts moving around the board all the time grabbing running you know it, it just seems like that would be really fun plus other things yeah. obviously but have a focus on tree revs and then and then go from there you know pick your season do the right things to enhance that that would be really cool or a big guy's army would be really fun to play it may not be that competitive but it would be awesome to see a whole bunch of those tree lords and dirt you know a couple of dirthus you know you got two of them? Yeah, I got two Durthus. But it would be fun to see that on the board. So I like that. And I also like the fact that the small units like the Arch Revenant is really a powerful unit in terms of enhancing your army's performance. I really like that. The one thing that, as you've pointed out several times talking about this book, is that it's a real thinker's book. You really have to understand what all the things do you know your your enhancements and how that coordinates with your season how that coordinates with your glades all those things working together that's kind of a tough challenge for i think a lot of us players like me yeah to get that all working together depending on what the army build you have is but i really like this book and i love the new units they've created i love those dragonfly guys and i was trying to think like what's like you could run a unit of nine of one of those and that would be a really powerful hammer in a game you know if you ran it can be yeah 
if you ran it right, you know, hit and fade and uh, strike and fade, do some other things with that. So a lot of possibilities in this book, and I really liked reviewing and I liked reading through this book. One of the things that an astute listener will notice is kind of absent is I like to kind of walk you through some of the tips and tricks and, and things mm-hmm. to put together. And that's absent because I haven't figured it out. Mm. There's nothing in here that really jumps out to me as the right solution. Okay. I find in so many of my list writing activities, as I was working through this book and trying to see, you know, like what potential lists would look like, that I ran out of points. <laughs> and I was always having to make compromises. Right. And I was always having to go back and look at something, right? Because like, yeah, it sounds really fun to run an all off list until you realize that like you've got 12 models and three heroes and... <laughs> it's right. Ooh, it's getting a little warm in here. That's pretty tough. Then you look at, you know, some other lists where, you know, you invest heavily in dryads and and you've got a lot of models on the table, but you go, I just don't have enough punch. I don't think that there's a clear answer. I've been coming around to the idea of nine lancers Mm -hmm. supported by three revenant seekers, I think is interesting to kind of keep that engine going. Mm -hmm. But the folks who are jumping out in front of it and saying like, oh, well, you know, you're going to be running three units of six of them or whatever. You're basically just going to be trying to do what the Nurgle Flies list has been doing. I think you're sorely mistaken. Yes. You are trying to do what another army does way better than what you do. Mm -hmm. That's a little tough. I think that there's always such extreme value in going battle regiment with Sylvaneth. Controlling the choice between first turn and going second potentially is such a big deal in my mind. I'm sure we'll talk about it more like, you know, as time goes on, because I do plan on playing Sylvaneth, you know, I do want to buy some of the new units and get them painted and play that. And you'll probably Mm -hmm. see it a little bit on the dais cast. Like in in the same breath, like, I just don't know. Like, I do think that there is kind of a fun Oakenbrow list where you don't go all in on the big stuff, but Mm -hmm. you take two battle line tree lords Mm. and you fill out the rest of the army with some other stuff and you use those tree lords as teleporting bullies because they can (laughs) abscond to some other part of the board and not penalize you to walk the hidden paths with, you know, Mm -hmm. say unit of six scythe hunters coming from a different direction. Sure. I think that's a potentially compelling choice. I think Ilariel is quite good. I think Drycha punches way above her weight class. Mm -hmm. I think the Lady of Vines is interesting, right? She does some things for the army that are unique. And Durthu, man, he could just be... Yeah, Durthu is unsubtle. Absolutely. He's just a big stone mace, man. Yeah, you make him ethereal, you're rolling in there with seven attacks with his sword. Yeah. You know, assuming you're near a tree and you hit that five up on the D3. Yeah. And you just watch stuff just go poof. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's cool. Then you can just teleport back out through the trees and you're Mm -hmm. done. Really good book. Really excited personally to when it comes around to getting games in with it. I think this is going to be a really cool book to see at tournaments. Okay. Because people are going to have really different approaches to what they're doing, even just through the selection of seasons within the same glade. And that's another thing that excites me about this, Brendan, because you know that I absolutely hate when you get a book that's a mono build book. Mm -hmm. And this is the way people build this. And that's all they take because it's so good. I think there are a lot of interesting choices here that can be good. Yeah, the book that this most reminds me of is the Nurgle book, where we Mm -hmm. walked away and we were like, wow, like you have a lot of good choices here. Yep. And I'm willing to bet that a very similar thing is going to happen where people are going to start playing a list. They're going to be like, that's cool. Another list is going to develop. People are going to be like, oh, okay, that's a good list. And then eventually it'll settle on what ends up being the best list. Mm, of course. Which, you know, was the, the Blight Lord spam. Sure. I'm looking okay. forward to it. Yep. Agreed. So, All right, yeah. man. All right. And uh, we are going to continue on to Scriptorium. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Scriptorium time, really nothing new in new releases. We had a long list last episode, and all the stuff's on the street. Pick and choose, whatever you'd like. (laughs) Whatever works for you. I think I'm going to do Dark City out of all the new stuff, so that 40K Inquisitor kind of thing on Terra. Kind of like a murder mystery kind of thing, so that sounds pretty interesting. Nothing new. So how about you, Brendan, for all your stuff? Yeah, nothing too, too new. I downloaded American Gods. I read the book mm-hmm. what feels like a lifetime ago. I was in high school. Haven't started listening to it again. I just remember distinctly in high school reading it and being like, this was an excellent book. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a ton of the details anymore. So that's why I downloaded it. I'm going to give it a listen. Great. Yeah, so Netflix, it's not a new show. It's a show that I found on Netflix. Skinwalker Ranch fits the criteria of shows that I love. Love me some Ancient Aliens. Love me some Curse of Oak Islands. Skinwalker Ranch is a history channel about Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. It's got the classic format of guys sitting around a table, voiceover dude, (laughs) nothing really substantive happening. Sure. But, you know, people making wild speculations. The thing about Skinwalker Ranch that is different from these other shows Mm -hmm. is I don't know that any of these people are actually real. The guy who owns it is like a caricature. The head of security is a caricature. This astrophysicist that they bring in is a caricature. Okay. It's just so silly to me. Okay, well, it's perfect. It's entertaining, though. Where the other shows approach it with like a faux level of sincerity and grave seriousness, this is mostly just nonsense. Okay. So. Very cool. All of that. What about you, Dan? Well, I have been reading Wellington's Light Division uh, in Portugal and Spain and it's just so good. It's really a fun read because the author, whose name, by the way, is Robert Burnham, if you're interested, he includes so much source material. Like half the book is letters or dispatches or something that the people who participated in at all levels, you'll get a rifleman, you'll get a captain, you'll get a lieutenant, you'll get a brigadier or whatever. So you're reading, you know, this thing is happening and all of a sudden he'll have a letter that this private wrote home about this battle. And it's just such a fascinating perspective that you normally don't get in history books that are talking about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you can tell he just did exhaustive research to make sure this was good. It makes for really slow reading because you have to stop for the book to be meaningful to me to read these excerpts. At first I was kind of bleeping over them, but then I started reading a couple and it was like, why did I do that? These are really fascinating perspectives from these different people. And I think my next book that I've been considering for a while will be under Daunted Courage, which I know, I think you're familiar with that. That's the Lewis and Clark book by Stephen Ambrose. Okay. It's been out quite a while. I know they reprinted it about five or six years ago. I'm really interested in that, and I would love to read a book about them. I've never done that. I read Ambrose's book on the Transcontinental Railroad, and that was really well done. So I would expect this would be the same quality. So that's my next Dead Tree book. I've been listening to First Heretic for how many times? I don't know how many times. (laughs) nth time. It's your comfort book. It is. And the story is so wonderful because it's so revealing of everything that's going on. And if you don't absolutely despise the emperor as a tyrant after you read this book, I don't know what you're thinking because it just time and time and time again, it just hammers home how merciless he is and how much he knew and how much he lied literally to his sons. Mm. (laughs) You're going, oh my God, he knew. He knew all this stuff. Before the Primarchs were even born, he knew this. And you're going, loser, you know? So anyway, really, really good read. And then I talked about Dark City. I think it'll be my next listen. 
Darknet Diaries, as always, just my kind of popcorn listen. And we finished Terminal List finally. They're definitely the last episode was a setup for season two. I'm not going to give it away. Okay. It's a setup for season two. Really, really cool. And then I went to see the new Minions movie, The Rise of Gru, with my friend and his son. Did you guys wear wear suits? Oh, no. But I am. That's the thing to do, Dan, is you go to see Minions in a suit. In a suit. Now, you know, I've been a huge Minions fan for all the kids are doing. In my classrooms, I always had Minions stuff around the class, and I was known for my love of Minions. Anyway. People who don't love Minions don't know how to love. They don't. We went to the Rivoli, actually, which listeners, for those of you who don't know who live in the Milwaukee area, I live in Cedarburg, and it's one of the old-fashioned, kind of small old-fashioned theater that was reopened, and a lot of love went into it, and you know, it's got old-fashioned seats and lobby and all that. So there's that kind of environment. Seeing this movie there, if you have small kids or you have young kids... Listeners, you got to take them to see this movie because they'll love it. It was just so much fun to laugh, Brendan, as an adult. I mean, at first I started catching myself like I'm laughing kind of loud for... For a kid's movie? Yeah. And all of a sudden... No, Dan. Minions (laughs) is a timeless classic. (laughs) A comedy for all generations. They're just so stupid and silly that you can't help but laugh. It's just so entertaining. Anyway, highly recommended for watch. That's it for me. Okay. Yeah. Moving on to this or that. I think I've had you ask early the, the last couple of times, so I'll go this time. Jump in. Two Sylvaneth questions, three not Sylvaneth questions. Oh, okay. So we'll start with one Sylvaneth question and with a Sylvaneth question. Okay. Uh, Lady of Vines or Drycha? I think the Lady of Vines, because of that five-up ward she gives off, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Considering, like you said, the army doesn't have any wards. You can really, I think, use that to a great advantage. Pair that with the dwindling then? Yep. Forgetting the re-roll? Yep. Very nice. Okay. In sports, European soccer, they have the relegation process. Unfortunately, though, sometimes your team can be committed to kind of purgatory in sporting. Would you rather baseball... Now, obviously, there's not like really a, another league sitting right below, but for the time being, we'll pretend that, you know, there are minor league teams that aren't in, you know, a minor league system that could be elevated to the big leagues. Mm. Would you rather it be a relegation system or status quo where no matter what, every single year, these are the 30 teams that play, they're all the same, or would you rather have a... In, in baseball. In, in baseball. Because that's the sport that, like, I know you follow yes, the most. Yes, I've always found... I really want it for college football. <laughs> of, course, of course. I think that do. would be the most fun option, is to have these teams that hang out at the bottom of the Power Five, my team being one of them yes. sometimes, yeah. having to fight for their lives to remain relevant. <laughs> I just think that one of the best parts about baseball is the minor league system. I just think that is the strength of the sport. I think it's really cool the way they move players around back and forth and that there's always this reserve of players that you know are just waiting to go up to the big game mm-hmm. i think that's really neat i think it's an aspirational thing you know you get those college players who then go into the minor leagues and they stay there for a while and they have that chance every once in a while somebody will reach down and pick them up for maybe 10 games or 12 games they go back to the minors and they're like i went to the big game you know it's mm-hmm. kind of like the bull durham thing I just love that about the sport. So I want it to stay the same that way, where you keep the major league teams, 
You had the minor league teams, and that system works. Would you rather be at least 50% too early? So, like, let's pretend that the thing you're going to is an hour. You're at least 50% too early, so you're at least a half hour early. Uh-huh. Or you are at most, and we'll just say 10% late because you'll just be, oh, I'll just be one minute late. You're going to be 10% late to that, so you're going to be six minutes late to that hour-long thing. I'm always somebody who likes to show up on time or early. So you would be 30 minutes early. I would. Okay. Yeah, that'd be okay with me because I be prepared for it. You know, I'd have something to read or I'd do something for the 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Always better to be early for me. Would you prefer saucy or dry barbecue? Dry barbecue. Okay. For me. Yep. Yeah. The hands and the napkins and the mess is all awesome, but I just like to dig in and and get the meat off the bone. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. So my last question is a Sylvaneth question. Mm -hmm. Would you rather play Iron Bark or literally smash your head against the table at the end of every battle round? I would rather smash my head against the table at the end of every battle round. Okay. I could deal with that better than I could deal with the trash that is Ironbark. Yeah, good lord. Okay. I got three Sylvaneth questions. Okay. But I'm going to ask you the non-Sylvaneth questions first. So if you were going to read book, would it be a book about the Napoleonic Wars or the Revolutionary War here in America? Those are your two choices. I think I would go Napoleonic Wars only because that that's something that like I just know less about. Okay. Sure. I'm not saying I know everything about the Revolutionary War, but you know, like it's something that we come across much more frequently mm-hmm. in the American education system sure. than the Napoleonic Wars. Sure. Like oh, it's yeah. breezed over. It's just like this is a thing that happens. Like yeah. all right, and there's somebody in France saying the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Cool. You're gonna have some soda milk tonight before you oh, leave. God. And you. I better choose, not. And you get to choose whether you want to add Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper. To your, you have to choose one of those two to your soda. Uh, the Dr. Pepper was, I think, way better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ask the it. secret 24th flavor. I just wanted to have you flash back to that unpleasant uh, experience. Persons, for reference, go check out Rantathon, where I was forced to drink miserable concoctions uh, that would offend a greater being. That are literally soda and milk. Yeah. Mixed together. Just grotesque. Yeah. Cindy made right. a face, and that's the right face to make. <laughs> Dan, your homework assignment is to no. find the clips. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, I'm not asking you to force your wife to, to drink this. Or something. Find the links. Find that in Mef Show and okay, show it to, to Cindy. It. Okay, I'll try to do that. You don't have to put the timestamps right. in the show. Okay. Just show them to Cindy. Watch her. Understand what you made me do. Yes. You gave yeah, enough money where I had to yes. do it. Ty and I did that. Yes. Because he was on the chat and he was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, Ty's here. Okay. Let's just go in halves and... Mm. It was great. It was for a good cause. So awesome. All right. So three Sylvaneth questions. Are you taking Durthu or a Tree Lord Ancient for the points? Oh, man. My famous double answer. In most lists, I'm going to be taking a Tree Lord Ancient. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely build lists around Durthu, though. So Alarial or Kragnos, since you just built and painted Kragnos? Hmm. I think Kragnos provides more. Okay. I think he's more versatile to more armies. I think Alariel is going to be viable in a very limited number of lists Hmm. in the Sylvaneth book, where Kragnos elevates entire battle tomes from Mm. just obscurity into relevance. Okay. Incredible Warmaster model. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Okay. Easy answer. Dragonfly question. Mm -hmm. Lancers or Seekers? I'm coming around to Lancers, but I'm going to say... For the points, for what they do, you're going to find Seekers in more lists than you're going to find Lancers. Okay, who's the better hammer? Probably the Lancers, if for no reason other than 
they can do the strike first. Okay. You can do the hit first, and then you can pick another unit. And if they did strike first, they could also do the... They could also fade strike away. Strike and fade. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can do that. They can do strike and fade, so you can set them up for their next go-around. Or you can leave them in place and, you know, activate next with, like, a unit of Kernoths or something like that and go and hit the next target. Okay. I know, Cindy. I know you were listening intently, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't to the, the podcast. podcast. The, good the reaction. Your the timing two men in your good. living room who talk at nothing, a group of mystical listeners. What Dan's not telling you is we actually have nobody who downloads the show. <laughs> <laughs> this has all been an excuse to hang out with me for five years. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. That's yeah. it. That's, that's your it. five. Yeah. So we'll go to show close then. Okay. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. We don't have Sunday announcements because we already discussed those in whispers. But we do have Q&A, which we wonder, why don't you throw your question? Yeah, so a question from some Tyler E. in Missouri. Out of all of the 3.0 battle tomes, which do you think is the best designed and why? I know my answer. So I'll give you my answer while you think. I think the answer is the Eidneth Deepkin battle tome because it elevated war scrolls that weren't taken before. It created a list diversity that you didn't see before in the previous battle tome. It fits the profile of a high ceiling, low floor, you know, something that I kind of like about the Sylvaneth book. But the thing that's different is where the Sylvaneth book before was weak for, you know, like it just wasn't in the game. The previous Eidneth Deepkin battle tome was... I think poorly designed because there was really only one list that you ever saw. Mm. Now you see a diversity. The army is mixed arms. You take lots of different units. There's maybe two war scrolls that you're really not taken. Okay. I think that is best designed only for comparing where it was to where it ended up. So it's my most improved effectively. Oh, did I have do I have to pick one? You can. Oh, it's I, a question of the show. Nurgle. Nurgle. I think Nurgle's just a very well-designed battle tool. Okay. Because I think there's so much flexibility in builds that can still be very competitive. I mean, we've got the optimized list now with the Blightlord spam. But nonetheless, there's a lot of other lists that can still really, really win games. I really like that. And I enjoyed reviewing the book, so. All right. My question is from Alan. And Alan asks, Dan, what is your next monster model that you're going to paint? That is a good question. That's very good. I had to think about... It's a Contemptor Dreadnought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but an actual monster. <laughs> I think it's going to be Durthu. Really? Yeah. Okay. When he asked this, it like, led me to say, what do I... Well, there's not really anything that I can build in Nighthaunt that I already built. I've done everything there. Yeah, you've got... I've got a giant, so... It, I don't need any Nothing more that. Behemoth. You could do yes. a cron spine. I could do a cron spine. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a couple of monsters, like I could do a Vangorian Lord mm-hmm. who's a monster. But I just love the Durthu model. I love the detail. I love, you know, I talked to Cindy about some stuff I might do in terms of conversion, but like using real moss and real ve- vegetation to like lay overlay onto the leaves and stuff that are on the model. I think that would look really, really cool. You know, it'd be really cool. A ghost Durthu that you use as a Morngul. Now, that would be pretty neat. I'd have to think about painting, but oh, yeah, because there's plenty of areas to dry brush and edge highlight and... Yeah, yeah. do like some internal object source lighting. Yeah, you could do that for sure. Yeah, that's not a bad... Very ethereal. Not a bad idea. And you get to use it in an army. Yeah, not a bad idea. Like I'm going to take a Morngul, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I think that would be my choice, Alan. Okay. You just painted a monster. So. Did I just painted a Kragnos? I'm good. I guess what is my next monster to paint? I know he asked you, but I'm yeah. We're I'm, jumping in on that. 
it really depends on what I'm going to work on, right? You know, the Sylvanus stuff that I'm going to be painting is going to be, you know, dragonflies and gossamids. No real monsters that I'd be expecting to paint. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Good thing to think about. I had to think about it a lot. Like, all the stuff that I kind of have on the table is yeah, a lot of infantry stuff. Sure. Absolutely. Like maybe a giant? I don't know. Okay. All right. So next episode, uh, we're not going to have the dark to... ages. <laughs> no, we'll come up we with something. We have no idea. Yeah, we really don't. Because even if we get the pre-order next weekend, not this coming on the next one, we're not going to have the book on our hands till the day before we record. So yeah. we'll come up with something. It'll Tune be Tune in for my analysis of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and how I'm going to fix it for the American it, people. It will be the shortest episode ever. I have great ideas to fix baseball. <laughs> I don't you think you're going to like them, though, no, Dan. I'm sure I wouldn't. All right. We're so talking that's steel it. bats. <laughs> no. <laughs> trampolines. Yeah, of course. Ah, craziness. Thank you, my man. Appreciate you being here as always. Thanks yeah. for stopping by. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, happy Tuesday. Listeners, thank you as always for stopping by. We appreciate you being part of the show and helping us along here. You all stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans because life is always better when you're up to something. Bye. This is.